alongside Aaron Sexton as well, directing, producing. Cedric Golden now joining us uh, from the Austin American Statesman, longtime columnist there. Cedric, I mean, is it with a, a tear that you think about uh, showing up in Waco for the last hurrah, the Longhorns on their uh, goodbye tour? And you'll have to you'll have to have all these new friends from the SEC. There has to be at least a little bit of, of you, a part of you that's a little sad about uh, coming into Waco, Texas for the uh, for the last time. Absolutely, Matt. Man, I, I I enjoy the Big Twelve. I've made a lot of friends in the Big Twelve. Oh, some of my people are in Waco, and David Smoke is in Waco. Bryce Cherry is in Waco. So those are good friends. John Morris is in Waco. So when when you're on a beat for 20 years, and I got on this beat in 02, uh, you start to de- you develop some relationships. Now, me and Smokey go back to Tyler, so I've known him since I was in high school. But, uh, yeah, you develop those relationships, and you look forward to, you know, to collaborating with the different writers and broadcasters uh, in the city. So, yeah, definitely – a uh, tough, tough, uh, uh, emotional moment. Uh, the SEC is going to be fun, I'm sure, but I'm a Big 12 guy. I mean, it's what I, I'm SWC growing up and then Big mm-hmm. 12. So, yeah, it's kind of mixed emotions. SEC is going to be exciting, but uh, saying goodbye to places like Baylor, TCU, uh, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, uh, the Kansas schools, uh, yeah. Uh, don't know that I'll miss Iowa State in West Virginia, but uh, that's, that's, that's for another another uh, radio show. How do you view these uh, these Bears? I mean, it's a it's a tough time for the Bears. They've lost what six out of the last seven. Uh, ended a six game losing streak. I know Sark's got to keep the attention of his team, even though number three in the country. What what kind of sense have you gotten? from that Longhorn staff and, and, and talking to everybody. I think y'all get to even talk to the coordinators there. What kind of sense have you gotten as they prepare for a Bears team that is kind of down, doesn't have their starting quarterback, probably won't have their starting running back, uh, and has extremely young on defense? Where are, the, where are the horns right now mentally coming into this one? Well, they know that they're supposed to win the game. Well, we don't talk to the coordinators. We He's never allowed that. Maybe okay. once before the season, but in season, mm-hmm. no. We never get them. But um, uh, they know they're supposed to go in and win, but they understand that that Baylor would love nothing more than to kick Texas in the butt and push it out the out of the door, out of Waco, and uh, ruin any chance of, of, of playing in the CFP, even if they won the Big 12. There's no way Texas can explain away how they lost to Baylor in one breath and try to uh, claim a CFP berth in the other. Baylor's just not that good this year. So um, I think they're in the right frame of mind. I know that uh, Dave Aranda said that someone came up to him, several people, and go, if you're going to win a game this year, that's the one you'll want to win. Because that, that, that could go down in history as one of the sweetest wins in the history of Baylor football, the year they beat the number three Texas Longhorns and kept them out of a CFP burst. So 
Uh, I think there's a lot of intrigue. I think Texas has been very fortunate that they've only played one quarterback that's got a lot of college football experience, and that's the nomadic um, JT Daniels, who's on his fourth or fifth team. He's at Rice. Uh, but the other guys, uh, sorry, Robertson um, is making his third start. Evan Sabota from Wyoming, that was his first career start. And then Jalen Milrow for Alabama was making his second career start. So Texas has been really fortunate that they've gotten to play some quarterbacks who didn't have a whole lot of experience. Is Cedric, you know, talking a lot about the idea of a Baylor upset and the Bears winning, obviously being a, a, the flagship station, but let's be real here. Double-digit underdogs. This is maybe the worst. This is the worst we've seen Baylor since Dave Aranda's first year, and you've already got losses to Texas State and a, a snoozer to Utah on your schedule and a, a snoozing win against LIU. Is there any shot? Any shot Baylor can upset Texas? Because on paper, it's no. I'm gonna say no, and I love the fact that you said LIU. Like we all knew Long Island had a football team, right? I had no. Did idea. you not, Cedric? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I had no idea. I, I thought I knew that Dr. J uh, is from Long Island and Sue Bird is from Long Island and Jim Brown is from Long Island. I didn't know that Long Island had a college football team until last week when Baylor beat them 30-7. to I don't think Baylor has a chance to beat Texas. Uh, uh, the, one, the one thing I'll say, though, uh, Texas's quarterback, Quinn Ewers, has been snoozing in the first halves of two of the three games. He was a house on fire against Alabama, but uh, they were 0 for their first six third down conversions in the opener against Rice, and he couldn't make a pass to save his life early on against Wyoming. So that's that's the one. Uh, but the one thing, even though he struggled, uh, he hasn't turned the ball over. He hasn't thrown an interception or lost a fumble. So uh, they have a team that's very similar kind of to me, to the Dallas Cowboys, where the, the quarterback has been asked to do a little bit, but it's been mostly about the defense uh, doing the heavy lifting early in the season. So I think that um, with what Texas brings on the defensive side of the ball and their ability to um, confuse quarterbacks and create turnovers, they already have five interceptions in three games. I think that's what's carrying Texas's water right now. And, and and they do just enough on offense. So, yeah, on paper, I just don't see where this is going to be. I think Texas is going to win comfortably, probably by 18 or 19 points. All right. I'm trying to think what the line is. It's right around there. It was 17 at one point. And uh, so we'll see. Cedric Golden, Austin American statesman. Uh, on y'all's podcast, do you ever talk the betting line, Cedric? Do you and – do you and Kurt give the, uh, you know, kind of get in there and talk about some of the lines, or do you leave that to the Vegas folks? No, I, I always try to have a little bit about the about a you know a, an odds makers uh, betting line in my columns. Uh, but we have we, we we used to do like a pick segment on the podcast, but mm-hmm. we haven't done it in the last couple of years. But we discuss point spreads all the time, and it's amazing that how close Vegas gets every time. There's just I have no idea how good those people are because they're always right on the number, even on the over/unders. So I, I, I get why Vegas makes so much money. <laughs> now, what about like Barron in this secondary? I mean, this is the Horns at times have tried to claim DBU. Uh, 
they look good over there. They look good all over the defense right now. But it seems especially on the back end of that, where they've had issues over the years. Baylor's given them fits. Obviously, the cornerbacks, Baylor's run on them in the past some. But that secondary, they really seem to be good. And even when somebody gets beat, but they come back and get a big interception. Was that against Alabama? I'm thinking of number eh, 28 or somebody like that. Yeah. 38. Jaron Thompson got toasted yeah. uh, against Alabama, and they came, and, and Bama took the lead early in the fourth quarter. And then later in that game, he intercepted a ball to help clinch the win. And then last week, he uh, took a, a pick six to the house. So they're very good on the back end. They have five or six guys that, are, that they're rotating back there, very deep on the back end. But it all starts up front. And if you can generate a pass rush and 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 you have cornerbacks that can hold their water for that extra second and a half, that's that's forever for a quarterback. And you can speed that clock up in his head. And they're getting a good push up front. They've got eight sacks through three games. They're on pace. Uh, if they play in a bowl game, which we know they will, to almost come to have like 38 sacks, uh, which would be the mo- most they've had uh, in a season since 2010. And uh, what what they're getting is they're getting it from all over. Six different people have at least half a sack uh, on Texas. So it's not just one guy. Uh, they're deep. Uh, they, they understand the concepts. Uh, and like I said, they played inexperienced quarterbacks. They're going to get Jalen Daniels and um, uh, Will Howard and Dylan Gabriel coming up pretty soon. We'll find out mm-hmm. if they're elite. We know they're really good, but we'll find out if they're elite. I, I really think um, – I know Sawyer's got a big upside and, and he runs the ball pretty well, but that's not a, that's a tough task for him to, to go up against an experienced defense that's kind of clicking right now. Cedric, looking at – even the last 15 years for Texas football, really since Colt McCoy, Mac Brown there, and we always have the conversation, you know, fans put the horns down and they make fun of Texas saying it's back. But this season, it's the best roster that I can remember in a decade. It seems like the coaches have finally put it all together and obviously the team did winning against Alabama on the road. Is it too early to say this Texas team is a legit playoff contender? It's not. It's not too early and it's different. It's different than 2018 when they won the Sugar Bowl and Sam Ellinger got up and said, we're back. Okay, all right, he said, we're back. And that was his quote, we're back. And everybody went crazy and people bought into it. Joe Tessitore, when they beat Alabama and Charlie Strong second year, Texas is back. They weren't back. I mean, they beat, they beat, they beat Notre Dame in overtime and turned out to be a bad Notre Dame team. Uh, this is t- turning out to be a bad Alabama team. Let's just keep yeah. it real. yeah. When has Nick Saban ever had, had, had these kind of quarterback problems? So uh, all of that said, uh, over the last 13 seasons, uh, Texas has, has, has failed to reach its projected preseason win total 12 of the last 13 years. So they, and the only year that they, they surpassed it was 2018 when they beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. So I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, and I had them at nine and three early this season. In yeah. the preseason, I picked them at nine and three because they always. I had them losing to Alabama. As did I. Great minds, games. Cedric. Yes, yes. Great minds uh, think wrong, apparently. So, <laughs> um, but I, I do believe 
they'll probably drop a game they shouldn't drop. They just, yeah. it's what they do. It'd be at K-State, was lost to Missouri, but K-State's really good. Or Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel's playing out of his mind. He's playing great football. Or even Kansas with Jalen Daniels. So I, I don't see them running the table, but they really are, they really appear to be good as advertised. But the one thing I'll say, you're only as good as your quarterback. And sooner or later, they're going to need the quarterback to, to play like he played against Alabama every week. And that hasn't happened yet. Quinn hasn't shown that consistency yet. 42 points in the last two fourth quarters. They've closed out games great, but those first halves have been a problem. And they could run into a buzzsaw uh, down here down the line where a team hits them in the mouth in the first quarter and they fall behind and they're not able to catch up. I don't think that's going to be this weekend, though. All right. Well, watch out for Jeff Grimes, though, Baylor offense coordinator. He's putting something together yeah, as we speak, and he's going to try to deliver that punch you're Will talking about. Will it work about. is the question, Matt. We'll, we'll see, won't we? Now, uh, by the way, Cedric covers the Cowboys as well, has been in a lot of games over the years where we run into each other. Trayvon Diggs, huge Man, news brutal. today. Uh, his season is over ACL, I mean, that is a uh, – what a what a tremendous blow that is to a team that always seems to have Super Bowl aspirations. But this year, it seemed legit, right? It seemed great on defense, explosive on offense, Dak playing well. And uh, this is a bad one, Cedric, and, and this is going to call on a lot of people to have to step up, including maybe Jerry to look around and Dan Quinn – has to once again prove how great he's been as a defense coordinator. Absolutely, and you got to find you got to you got to go down the list and find the most disgruntled cornerback in the NFL and give him a bag and make that trade because bringing in Stephon Gilmore was wonderful. That was what they needed back there. They already had a shutdown guy with Trayvon, and now you you give you book in it with with Stephon Gilmore, another All Pro. And, man, I'm telling you, these stars are dropping like flies. Uh, Nick Chubb, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Trayvon Diggs. And, and you, just, uh, you just hope that maybe it'll send a message to these billionaires that it's okay to put grass in the stadium. It's okay to put grass on the practice field. Because I, I, I remember when we were growing up, I just don't remember – I mean, I don't remember great players in the 70s blowing their knee out every year because those guys were, you know, until the 80s and the, and the early 70s and the mid-70s, they're playing on grass. And then when that turf shows up in the 80s, they found a way to save money, but it's costing them premier talent. And I just, I hate it. And it seems to always be a non-contact injury. You would think these owners would, would all get together and decide, man, it's worth it. If you can do it for the World Cup, you can't do it for the NFL. That makes no sense to me. I like it. Yeah, I think that would be wise. But, you know, it's it's all about hosting concerts and, oh, we've got these multiple things. Uh, but, boy, you got to save your great players. And I think it would be a wise uh, move. All right, Cedric. Well, good to know. I think I probably have known that over the years that you have people in Waco. I hope they were listening this afternoon. Always love to hear from some of uh, one of their relatives, I'm sure, and uh, make sure said that you tell them to, to be listening to the to the Matt Mosley show. Okay, afternoons three to six. Always listen to the Matt Mosley show. Check out our podcast on Second Thought. 
wherever you get your podcast. We had Reco Tribune, Harold Ryder, Zach Smith, and Bryce Jerry on today in today's mm-hmm. podcast, and and then we talked about the end of the Texas Baylor rivalry. Shed a couple of tears, me and Kirk Bowles. <laughs> you and you and Kirk have had me on that pod in the past. Oh, yeah. uh, Waco yes, Trip sir. took precedence this time, but that's okay. Those are good folks over there. Bryce is a good friend. I understand, but if you ever need me, I am there for you. Man, I love it, and you're you're just one of a, a great a great number of Bryce of Hall of Fame broadcasters to be on there. I mean, Brent Musburger, Jim Nance, Kirk Herbstreit, Matt Mosley. There's your Mount Rushmore. There's your Mount Rushmore. (laughs) That's right. The top four. That's what everybody thinks. Sid, have a a great rest of the week. We'll see you Saturday. Look forward to it. Okay, brother. Be well. Okay. There he goes. Cedric Golden uh, from the Austin American Statesman. And that On Second Thought podcast he does with Kirk Bowles. They had the Waco Trib guys on, and I'm sure they got some great information and insight from our Waco Trib friends. But, uh, Drake, he did not – there was not even a part of him that allowed the Bears to have a chance, was there? There Well, he's he's a smart guy, (laughs) Matt. He he knows balls. So, well – I mean, if you, again, if you look on paper, which Matt no, I know. coming back, I, I've got you know I do have some stats that can give Baylor a win, but I think he's probably got the level-headed objective objective take here. Yeah, and I he's not I being thought, a homer by saying this. <clears throat> no, and Cedric and Kirk, despite their ties there to UT, do not often homer it up. But boy, I think he thinks. This is the real deal we're about to see march in uh, for the final time. And, you know, as much as I can't stand that fight song, it kind of does, again, I don't know if it's chills or what it gives me, but it there's some sadness attached to this thing. We continue on. It is Campus Confidential. 